This week's episode of Men With Hats is brought to you by Dapper Ties. We are DapperTies.com. Guys, go over there and check them out. They have a wonderful variety of knit ties that are not only trendy and classy, but classic looking. Check them out. Go over and use promo code... Crap. What's our promo code? <laughs> the promo code that you should use is hats. Please don't use the promo code crap because that won't get you anything. Okay, let's, I'll just I'll just patch that in and use promo I think you code. Leave it just like that. You think That's I should perfect. leave it just like that? No, I'm not going to leave it. Oh like that. yes, just like that. Fine. That's our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Men with Hats. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Men with Hats podcast. Mm-hmm. This week we have a very special interview to share with you all. Uh, we'll be speaking with Clint and Penny Bragg of Inverse Ministries. They Great have people. an incredible story mm-hmm. um, of marriage, uh, really a broken marriage that was reconciled. It's it's an incredible story. It's a story you don't That's hear about very all I'm going to say really. to sum it's that a, up. It's a yeah, rare it really, yeah, it's story. Not. It's a rare story, um, a rare perspective that they are able to share because of the situations and the circumstances that they have been through together. Um, so we sat down and talked with them about their story. Um, incidentally, they also have a book that's coming out soon. They'll talk about that towards the end of the interview. Um, you can also find them online. They'll talk about their website and the ministry uh, that they have to um, couples who have uh, been divorced and want to be reconciled or have marriage difficulties and want to avoid uh going into a a divorce situation. So guys, if you are someone that is married and has marriage problems, and if you are married, you do have marriage problems. uh, This episode (laughs) is a very, yeah, it's a very helpful uh, story. um, Kind of perhaps as a cautionary tale, um, or perhaps just as a way of encouraging you to um, stick it out, to fight, to uh, renew the commitment uh, that you have to your spouse. Mm-hmm. So, James, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, as we get through the interview, there's a lot of different aspects to the story that I think would be really helpful. Uh, we get into a lot of their histories, their life growing up. Um, we talk about childhood, talk about examples that they had mm-hmm. and how that played into things. It's just is a lot of very well-rounded perspective that they bring to the table here. Um, I was I was personally impressed by how much you could tell they had already evaluated every part of their life leading up to this point. And like we asked them a question and I was kind of expecting a, huh, you know, let me think about that. But it was just like, boom, (laughs) I've already really evaluated this aspect of my life. And, you know, here's what I've learned from it. It was really impressive and really neat to see. That's true. Yeah. I think they both sounded like very introspective Mm -hmm. people um, that were very, uh, I guess, self-aware. Yeah, Is very self-aware. That's a good way to put it. Introspective yeah. and self-aware. But what that gives them is a very powerful uh, perspective and a very powerful message that they can bring to the table for people who may have gone through or may be going through similar situations. So no matter where you're at, there is something you can take away from this. Uh, if you are looking forward to marriage, uh, if you're just growing up right now and you're dealing with some of the same situations they are, if you have been through tough spots in marriage or well into marriage, there's a lot to learn here and a lot, even if you haven't been through this or maybe won't go through some of this that you could pass on to somebody else that you see going mm-hmm. through these things. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that's about all we need to say about this one before we get into it. Enjoy. All right, so today we are with Clint and Penny Bragg. Now, Clint and Penny have written a couple of books about marriage, but what we're talking to them about today is somewhat about the most recent book that they're releasing, uh, which is Your Marriage, God's Mission. But on top of that, we really want to kind of talk to them a good bit and learn more about just who they are as people and what's brought them to this part of their journey in life to writing these books and the ministry that they're involved in right now called Inverse Ministries. So, uh, Clint and Penny, Welcome. Thank you very much for having us. So uh, I guess the thing that we really want to uh, to get into, I mean, you can tell us, I'll tell you what, 
why don't we start with just kind of a little, give us a glimpse of the new book that's coming out, kind of tell us a, a quick idea of what's going on there, and uh, then we'll go from there. All right, why don't you go ahead, Pam? So the new book is called Your Marriage, God's Mission, Finding Your, or Discovering Your Spiritual Purpose Together, and it's really about the fact that God has a mission for every marriage, but we tend to get caught up in all the you know, raising kids and school and job and church and all that, not realizing that um, God longs for husbands and wives to serve alongside one another. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we kind of stumbled into our mission uh, based on our past and our story, what happened in our lives. But we really feel that uh, the book will equip readers to who want to um, serve God side by side it doesn't mean that's their full-time job like it is for us. It could be making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for the homeless. It could be organizing a uh, after-school uh, homework program for kids in the neighborhood. You know, we've got friends who um, have a business, and she does one part and he does the other, and they share the gospel with their customers. I mean, you know, there's no whole bard with the Lord. So right. this book just really helps couples go from that beginning like, yeah, we think there is a reason God has us together. I mean, besides, you know, our kids and, and all that, um, but there's a reason, there's a mission. And so it outlines different missions in the Bible and gives the couples the tools to discover well, God's mission for their marriage. And we have nine couples that we um, videotape their testimonies and their journey and, and how they discovered what their mission together was. And, you know, some of them are uh, like one couple does short-term missions and they go all over the world and, and do that a couple of times a year. Um, one couple um, works with an orphanage in, in uh, Mexico and they do fundraising and stuff to help uh, uh, keep the orphanage going. And, and they, they get coats once a year and, that do stuff like that. But, but it, again, Penny says you don't have to do this full time. You can, you know, do live, have your jobs and stuff, but there's something that God wants couples to understand. He puts you together for a reason. And most couples say they wonder what the purpose is. And if they can find that purpose together, God blesses this, blesses it and, and allows them to go out and serve and God seems to provide the, the finances, the energy, the wisdom, the discernment, and gives them peace, and uh, just the endurance to, to do the short-term mission, whatever that might be. And, and I'll add this to um, James and Aaron, that what we did was you can access all the couple interviews by QR code, and the QR codes are in the text of the book. So if we're talking about faith, you can hit the QR code with your smartphone and up pops a couple of, of different couples talking about their experiences in faith. So we're excited about it. It comes out in October. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's actually, awesome. uh, that's a pretty cool idea. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, okay, so these, these recordings, how do they interact? That's actually pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. We're pretty stoked about it. Yeah. Now, so you I have a couple questions. Go ahead, James. Um, yeah, uh, a couple of questions. The the book is it somewhat of a workbook style, or is it just kind of you know information on how to find this thing in a read through? Like how does how does the book itself work in that way? Actually, you can. It is a regular size trade book, but there's different things that you can mark up in the text. And then what we did was structured questions at the end of it. So like, if a couple wanted to go through it together in the privacy of their own home, they could. If they wanted to partner with another couple and do it weekly, they could do that. So it's, it's set up to kind of whatever the desires. I mean, we're hoping that some church use it as small groups. That yeah. would be awesome. Hmm, yeah. Neat. So, uh, Penny, you started to refer to um, kind of your and, and uh, Clint's story. Um, so kind of talk a little bit about that and how that has, uh, shaped your vision, not only for this book, but also for inverse ministries and, uh, really, I guess, inverse ministries being that, that mission that you guys feel on your life. Well, for starters, you know, we were married in the church as Christians. We loved God. We loved each other. We went to pre-marriage counseling and thought that was enough to make for a good marriage, but you know, we hit some tough spots, and I was in a, a pretty immature place in my life, and 
we didn't even make it to our second anniversary mm. and and I walked out and the church didn't know what to do and we were in leadership and mm. we didn't have a lot of spiritual roots down especially me um and so I walked out on the marriage I was being unfaithful to Clint although I did not admit that at the time Clint was totally sideswiped and devastated and man when I went out that door I knew I had taken a step that I couldn't take back. And so I just running. I was running from God. I was running from Clint. I, I felt like a failure at marriage. And, and you know, our marriage pretty much was over before it barely even started. Hmm. And 11 years passed, actually, <laughs> a long 11 years. You know, we, we when we parted ways, we didn't have kids together. So it was pretty easy to just cut ties and go. We lost touch. We hadn't spoken. There was no internet back then or anything like that. Um, but about eight or nine years into our divorce, I had a come to meeting with Jesus <laughs> time <laughs> in life where I finally just stopped running and broke down. And I spent three years just going to counseling, figuring out my stuff, uh, you know, going back and repairing relationships. But there was no way, and I stressed the words, no way I was going to contact Clint Bragg and apologize for what I had done because mm. I figured after all, he would just completely blast me. And uh, mm. I'll let her in there. Yeah. So anyway, she was loving my life. And when she left, I, I didn't really believe that she would leave and, and do it, but she did. And so I, you know, I, went my own way. Um, I got involved in a lot of different things. I became a teacher in the public school system. I was a triathlete. I got into real estate investing. I was doing a lot of different things, but man, there was this void in my heart and, and I, I was confused with God. In fact, I was angry at God mm. because I felt he was the one that uh, pulled Penny away from me. And, and so mm. for almost 10 years, I was pretty angry at him and, and, uh, but I wouldn't say it out loud. You know, I, I, people would say, well, aren't you mad at God? And I said, no, no, no. And I was worried that uh, if I said it out loud, that God would squish me like a bug. And so about nine years into our divorce, um, I crashed and burned financially and lost everything I had. And um, finally, um, I was at the bottom of the bottom, and I finally found a church, and I went in. It took me about three weeks, but I finally looked up the cross, and I, I lost it, God. I said, man, I'm angry at you. But in, after I said that, the next thing I did is I apologized to him for the way that I've been acting for all these years. And I told him that, you know, I played a part in the breakdown, and, and I was sorry. And I asked him if he would help repair my life and the, and the mess I got in. And sure enough, uh, you know, I told him I'd, I'd be in his word every day and I'd talk to him every day. And if he helped me, that was fine. If he didn't, I was still going to do those things. But slowly but surely, he turned things around for me. And about a year, year and a half later is when I got a letter from Penny in the mail so this is like 11 years after our divorce, and I mm. finally was obedient to God and uh, wrote a letter to apologize because, you know, it, it had been a long time. I didn't know where he was. We we had no contact, and I mean zero contact. Yeah. So I found his address because the Internet had been invented by then. <laughs> But he was in the early 2000s, everybody, when the Internet uh, was invented or whatever you want to say, everybody started doing those people searches. And so uh, one night I thought I'd just uh, take a leap of faith and do it, and up came his name, and he was living 3,000 miles away from me. And I figured, well, okay, God, you've taken me this far. I'll just write the letter. And, you know, James and Aaron, my intent in writing the letter was closure. I had done a lot of counseling I knew I needed to apologize and ask Clint's forgiveness, but it was to bring closure and healing to his life, to my life, and to move on. Yeah, so here it was. Um, I'm, I'm coming home from my, my job, and I go to the mailbox, and I'm getting ready to go to another job in the evening, and, and, uh, 
And in there was a package, and the package, as I was going up the stairs, it said uh, California, and I thought it was something my mom was sending me. When I walked up the stairs, it said Dublin, California, and I knew where that was, but I, I didn't know anybody in Dublin. And then when I got to put the key in the thing, it said P.A. Bronzini. That was the love of my life. That was her maiden name. And my heart literally sunk down to my knees and back up to my chest, and I walked into my office and laid the thing down, and I, I couldn't believe that she, after all this time, she sent it. And I was scared to open it up because I mm. thought it was bad news. And I told God, I said, what am I going to do here? And he finally convinced me to open up the, the, the package, and I opened it up. There was a letter inside, and Penny, was she, she wanted to apologize for the way she left her marriage. But at the very end of the letter, she said, you know, I, I just need to know that you got this. Could you could you um, send me an email? Well, I didn't have an email address at that time. I said, or could you write me a letter? And I didn't write letters at that time. And the third thing was, give me a call. So I gave her a call, but as you guys know, you're on the East Coast. It's three hours ahead of us. Mm -hmm. So she was still at And it was on a Friday afternoon, and I called, I called her, and I left the message. I said, hey, Penny, this is Clint. Got your letter. Um, I'm going to call one more time, your time, and if you're there, you're there, and if you're not, you're not. Now, yes, the, way, the way she stated it. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling this story has been rehashed several times. Yeah. When I said it, I said, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, you're not. And so I called her back, paid <laughs> up her time, and she answered, and, you know, us guys, we like to talk on the phone about two minutes. Well, we had a five-hour conversation. Wow. Yeah, and that conversation covered everything that we didn't talk about when we were dating. Stuff that happened as a kid. Yeah. And we <laughs> both had issues, you know, sexual issues as kids that happened. Yeah. I mean, we didn't share any of that stuff when we were married or going through Christian counseling. It was like, I'm not going there, you know, bringing all that up and so we just dumped it all. I guess we were yeah. both feeling so good about getting it off our chests and stuff, and it was an amazing conversation. But still, I mean, yeah. that, it was done after that. We yeah. Were, so after five hours, it's four o'clock in the morning my time. Um, we get we finally finally hang up. We prayed together and we wished each other a good life and all that good stuff. Well, the next morning I got up early and. I um I was in my quiet time and I was journaling and pretty much I felt the spirit telling me write her a letter, and I said what? I said write her a letter. So I wrote a letter and in the letter I told her, man, didn't you know you were the love of my life? And the last thing I said on there was what, honey? Have you ever thought about reconciliation? Hmm. Huh. So uh, no. I had not yeah. ever. <laughs> I mean, from the standpoint of the one who left, you, you know, I was never thinking he would want me back. I mean, that was like, yeah. that never even entered my mind. I mean, why would he want me back? And in the letter he said, you know, um, I've always loved you. And it's just all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, I did not not see any of this coming but i have to admit i was so blown away by what god was doing that you know i called him and i said you know i got your letter and i got to be honest with you reconciliation was like the furthest thing from my mind but i have to say my heart is so tender right now i think we better just pray together and yeah. find out if this is god doing a miracle or is, is this just us or, you know. Yeah, so, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask, were either of you worried at this time that you may have been, you know, 11 years have gone by, were either of you worried that possibly you were just, you know, looking back and, you know, so much time had gone by, you were romanticizing and maybe things, you know, weren't as good as you're thinking they may have been. Was any of that worry going on? Some of it was for me a little tiny bit just because I was so fearful. I figured, okay, wait, he's going to blast me of his anger's got to come out eventually. So I was real hesitant because I was afraid that I'd get what I did kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. And for me, I was just, I could not even believe that she, she even apologized because I had done some counseling after she left with a Christian counselor. 
after three months, the Christian counselor asked me, says, uh, Clint, what did you expect to get out of these counseling sessions? And I says, well, first of all, I thought maybe I could get and sit down in the same room with Penny and that we could look each other in the eye and that um, she could tell me what my part of the breakdown was and that she would apologize for the way that she left. And the counselor told me, said, Clint, grow up. Uh, she doesn't even have to be in with you she never has to say she's sorry and you need to move on and oh, i nice you yeah paid, you paid for that counseling? yeah and so i said to the counselor <laughs> <laughs> what a great guy yeah so i said to the counselor i said well you asked me what i expected and i'm i'm sharing that with you and so anyway that was my last counseling session and and so here Sounds it was like yeah <laughs> and a half years later this letter comes and uh and she's apologizing. And uh, I, it was an answer to prayer uh, from, um, you know, from God. So what we did after she called me back to see if this was a warm, fuzzy feeling or if this was the real deal. Right. We decided to, um, you know, surround ourselves with accountability people to make sure that we were staying uh, true to what God wanted. Second, we decided to email each other and, and to also um, send things to catch up the, the, 11, the 10 and a half, 11 years that we were apart to see what was going on in each other's lives. And we found out we, we were kind of running parallel, like on two tracks, uh, going in the same direction, but not together. And then the third thing we decided to do was to have um, a half hour on Sunday nights to where one week I would share some scripture I read that week with uh, with her, and we'd talk about it for a little bit. Then I'd ask her what she wanted prayer for the week, and she would ask me what I wanted uh, prayer for the week. And we just did that every Sunday night. And then after three months, I finally said to Penny, I said, you know what, let's meet, let's meet in neutral territory, because she has a big Italian family, and they get involved in everything. Hey, and, hey. Yeah, I know. And I needed, <laughs> and I, I needed to look her in the eye and see if she was the real deal. I, I felt like she was. I just needed to see that. So, so I said to her, I said, you know, we need to go someplace and have separate rooms and, and do everything above board and uh, see if this is something that God wants to do. And so we met in uh denver colorado in uh, memorial weekend in 2002 i guess this isn't really a short version of our no story, it isn't is it? no hey <laughs> no that's, that's fine, okay actually. yeah I mean, this is this is really good the details are really important okay yeah. i mean we just enjoy telling it so much and every time it still blows us away that here all this sin i mean you guys we were we neither one of us had remarried during our time apart but we weren't walking with god and I had done a lot of things at the end of our marriage that were very, you know, dishonoring and disrespectful. And so just to think that God was doing a healing work, no matter what happened to us, whether we got remarried or not, just that he had done all this healing in our hearts. And, you know, we were praying together and, you know, Clint was really being a spiritual leader, which I know is important in your, your program. I mean, we didn't have those pieces when no. we were married the first time around. We prayed around meals and <laughs> You know, went to church and people prayed, but yeah. you know, we did not seek God together. And it was pretty crazy, you know, that we finally saw one another. And, I mean, we were just bare bones, putting everything out on the table, no holds barred, leaving no stone unturned to figure out why what happened to us happened. And Yeah. You know, yeah. We, well, and if I can if I can cut in, actually, this is something that I really want us to get to. And, and sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but I do have a, a question I really want to dig into. Um, you guys have it is amazing. It's absolutely incredible how God, you know, you guys separated and God worked through 11 years apart to actually bring you back together again. I mean, first off, I don't even know what the statistics are on that <laughs> for how often that actually happens, even for believers, for people that get divorced and then that much later get remarried again. And it's all an act of God. That right there is just incredible to me. Um, but one of the things you keep saying is, you know, where you came from and how, you know, God taught you so much. And I love how we're getting all these details about what God did to change you. But, you know, and you guys can be as vulnerable and as open as you desire. You don't have to go any farther than you want to. But 
you said there was a lot that you came from that had kind of created the difficulty in marriage that you had that God had to work through. If we could, I'd like to go back and talk about Clinton Penny when you guys were a lot younger and just kind of the growing up process and the dating process and what brought you to those first, the first year and a half, less than two years of marriage that ended the way it did. Um, yeah. Could you walk us through some of that? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start. Part, part of the uh, thing was, is I, what happened to me as a young child was um, between the year, years of 9-11, I was um, molested by a, a friend of the families. And uh, really sorry when I that. turned 12 years old, I decided I wasn't going to let anybody ever hurt me again. And I became, John Wayne became my, my hero. Huh. And became John Wayne. And uh, I grew, I played football, and I used to play football because I was able the hurting that I had inside of me. I would I I would show up if you had the ball, I'd knock the heck out of you. Or if I if my job was to block you, I I took you down and pancaked you, and I hit you as hard as I could, and that numbed the pain for me. But what happened is I was never, ever to share this with anybody. And as I was growing up, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. Everybody knew me, and I was popular because I was an athlete. But I only had, like, one real close friend, and he didn't even know what had happened to me. And so I go off to Vietnam, figuring I'm going to get killed at, at 18 years old, and I survived Vietnam. And I Was that your out. intention in joining? Were you just kind of hoping to get away and end things? Yeah, that's what I wanted to do because when uh, my ju- uh, my sophomore and junior year guys that I played football with went over to Vietnam were were dead by the end of the year, and I figured, okay, everybody that goes there is going to get killed. So um, I joined to hope not to go wow. to Vietnam and landed up as soon as I turned eighteen. I landed up over there. In fact, I did two tours over there. But the bottom line was is when I met Penny, um, you know, I had I. Did, come to Christ, like in my, in 30, and I became a disciple of Christ about 35, and then I think I met Penny when I was about 36, and we, we I married when I was about 39, so, but anyway, uh, Penny saw this strong, rugged guy, because I was the John Wayne kind of guy, and always tried to do what was right, and you know, if you asked me to do something, I, I would show up and do it, and finish the job, and all that stuff, and and Penny's kind of that way, too. You know, if she takes on a job, she goes all the way to the end, and she does it the whole nine yards. And I think that kind of attracted each other, uh, us to each other. But the, the thing about it was is that, um, you know, that, that molestation that took place, um, you know, that's a, a secret that I had inside of myself, you know, for all this time. And, and when we had that five-hour conversation, I finally let her know what had happened to me, and she was the first person that I had ever shared that with. And then she said, oh, now I understand why such and such uh, you would act a certain way. And so um, so that's part of what happened to me when I met Penny, and then Penny and I hit it off, and, you know, we were like the little church darlings, and so, you know, we... <laughs> it and did everything the right way yeah and uh but we didn't expose any of this stuff and you know i i mean clint knew that my for for me for example my parents divorced when i was a teenager and he knew that obviously he knew my parents were divorced but what he didn't know was just the the tearing of my heart there were six of us kids and i was the middle child and i got the choice to go with my mom or my dad and when my mom left, my dad fell apart. He was very emotionally weak. So here I meet this man, Clint, who's strong and he's emotionally strong. He's physically mm. strong and he's good looking. And, you know, I wanted to get out of my dad's. I couldn't handle his sadness and his sorrow anymore. And and so uh, the other thing is that I had gone through an experience in the church where an older man had uh, taken advantage of me. And and while I, I would say I was old enough to have stopped it, I didn't know how to stop it. And he was a pastor. He was in leadership. And I thought, wow, oh, yeah. you know, and I was a very young Christian at the time. 
um, in my late teens, and he kept telling me, this is okay, this is what, you know, we do, and this is what I want you to do. And so I here I meet Clint after, you know, all of this, after this pastor, after all this stuff with my family, and he looks to me to be extremely strong, very competitive, you know, very much a go-getter, and so I'm attracted to all of that. So you have John Wayne meets Supergirl, and... That was fine for the first year. It was all euphoric. But then, you know, marriage is such an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. It brings other things to the surface. And we neither wanted, neither one of us, I think, were prepared for well, any, any of that. And the other thing, too, you know, because of this, your marriage, God's mission, we try and let people know that, you know, not, not every act of service is, really what God wants for each other. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people feel like when they become a Christian, they get into church and they feel like they got to do a lot of different things, you know, uh, and serve in the church. And they figure the more they serve, the more they're getting closer to God. And actuality, um, the more they're doing, they're getting too busy and they're missing the divine appointments that God has for them. And if you're married, you should be serving together, not apart, because you know, there's too many things that can go wrong when you're not together. And God never intended for us to serve separately. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that answer the background questions? <laughs> yeah, unless, unless Penny, you want to go into any more of your growing up experience. And we heard a lot from Clint, but I mean, you know, if there's more you'd like to share, that's great. If not, that's okay. No, you know, I think it was just for me, just looking for a lot of accolades and affirmation, needing a deep emotional connection. And that's the one thing I couldn't get with Clint was I couldn't get a deep emotional connection. And Mm. anytime if he was at all stern, he wasn't a real stern person, but I remember one time in particular, it was probably the first and only time I saw him get really angry. It it made me startled and it reminded Mm. me of things, kind of the male authority thing, and I started to get really irritated by that, and I just basically started seeking relationships in in college and other places, so I I was pretty needy and um, just didn't know it, I guess, Hmm. so I searched in a lot of different places. Yeah. Well, Clint, uh, for you, I wanted to go back, because as you were telling us kind of the story of, uh, of you and Penny and how you uh, divorced and, and how you'd separated. And then years later, come back to her. First of all, kudos for, uh, you know, really, it sounds like you stayed, um, in your mind, stayed committed to her and stayed true. And that, that's, that's really, uh, powerful. That's a, that's a really great, um, character quality. Um, but it sounded much like you had a, a very, um, clear spiritual transformation between the first marriage that y'all had and then the second marriage. And I think that's a, a really unique perspective um, that you have being able to talk about marriage uh, to the same person, um, both without Christ and then later with Christ. So if you could talk a little bit about what the differences were between um, just the marriage relationship and how you related to your wife and, um, and Penny, you're, you're feel free to chime in on this as well. Okay. Um, you know, I think the first marriage, um, I really, you know, I'm a first generation Christian and my dad was, uh, he always worked swing shift. He wasn't around a whole lot during the, the week on the weekends. I saw him, but, uh, and he didn't become a Christian until, he was almost 40 and, and the thing. So I never saw um, how to be a, a spiritual leader. And then with my dad, he was, a, you know, a spiritual infant. He was just learning and maturing. And my dad passed away when he was 45. And so I never, I never had um, the model of what you're supposed to do as a spiritual leader. So here's the thing is when Penny and I were divorced, one of the things I asked God is if he could show me different couples who were married and married his way, um, what, what, what was the guy doing and how was he doing it? So for the first five years of our divorce, that's, I was looking everywhere I looked, I would look for a, a couple, especially a Christian couple and that were, were happy and, and that things were going well. 
what was the guy doing and how was he acting? And I saw gentleness and tenderness and compassion. I saw the, the guy was um, praying, uh, you know, for his wife and his family and, and, and stuff like that. But I also saw that, that the guys um, were in the Word. And, you know, maybe they were doing a Bible study, so they were, they were surrounding themselves with accountability. And so when Penny and I um, remarried, there was several things that we talked about what we thought we would like to have. In fact, two weeks after we were uh, remarried, um, we had a big blow-up, and we finally decided we needed to figure out how to be married God's way. And so we actually got on our knees and, and said, Lord, we tried it Penny's way, we tried it my way, and it didn't work. How, how do we do it your way? And so we both committed to not take on any extra duties or, or anything in our work, but to, to uh, go ahead and go to work, but spend a year. And we agreed not to serve in any church uh, in anything, but to search God's Word, and read books together and figure out how does God want us to do this. And what I, I found out that is that it's my job to be the spiritual leader of our family. It's my job to be the spiritual head in our family. And the thing about it is, is that guys don't understand what does that look like? What do you have to do? And one of the things we do is, one, I pray every morning before we leave the house, a minute, minute and a half, just asking for God's protection, His provision, and His presence. And uh, this, the second thing we do, we have our individual quiet times every day, but once a week we have a devotion time on Sunday nights. And one week I do the devotion, the next week she does. But there's another thing we do, which I feel is really important, and it's been the shift in our marriage, is that once a quarter we get away for two and a half days and we pray out in seven different areas. And we ask God, what do you want us to do for the next 90 days? And then when we go to the next one, 90 days from now, we look back on what God answered in those seven different areas. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, 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 we give him thanks and praise for everything that he answered, and we give him thanks and praise for everything he said no. And then we, um, we start planning out the next 90 days. We, we're getting ready to celebrate our 15th anniversary here next month. Congratulations. And we've had... That'll be number 60, uh, we call it a mini marriage retreat, but um, uh, it'll be the 60th one will happen. And I'll tell you what, God has done miracles. He's done breakthroughs. And one of the biggest things that couples quit doing after they get married, after the first year, they quit dreaming with God. And God wants us to dream with Him and bring our requests to Him. And the, the thing is, the world is pushing these couples so fast that they have no uh, margin in their, their daily lives to, to, to listen to God, to let the Holy Spirit lead them, and to discover the blessings that God has for them. And that's one of the ca- uh, categories, one of the seven areas that we, we talk to God about, big dreams and possibilities. And boy, has he blown our mind. That's amazing. Yeah, that really is awesome. That's awesome. So, and I, I think um, I think I read in the in the you know little synopsis of the book on Amazon that in your book you talk more about the seven areas um, of the marriage. But so, if I understand correctly, this kind of quarterly um, planning session, you go through each of these seven categories of your marriage and kind of see how you've measured up against. Uh, the goals that you had set for yourselves before. Could you give us, and maybe not give us the whole seven, but kind of give us an example of what one of those categories is and what that looks like? Absolutely. One of the categories is spiritual, our spiritual lives, okay. you know, and we don't mean by that serving God. We mean how are we growing in our faith individually? How are we growing in our faith as a couple? So Clint might say to me, oh, you know, I really want to memorize this portion of Scripture in the next 90 days. So will you just kind of check in with me and, and at the 90 day mark, I'll give you my scripture cards and, you know, you kind of test me. I'm like, sure, we can do that. And I'll, I might say to him, you know, there's two books I want to read um, over the next 90 days, you know, two books about, you know, certain topics, something like that. So we'll hold each other to these goals. We don't police each other, no. but 
but we just, it's kind of like you got a champion, you got a cheerleader. And during those 90 days, I'm praying that he remembers the scripture and that it has meaning for his life. Another category, you know, for example, is, is around the home. This is kind of a big one where a lot of couples get divided and we fell into the <laughs> trap. You know, I would make the honey-do list and Clint wouldn't get it done fast enough and I would be irritated, right? But with the 90 days, he's got 90 days. We make the list together. It's a shared list. And we budget it. We budget it out. There's no surprises. He has 90 days to do the things on the list. And I have 90 days because some of the things on the list are mine. And we can't add to the list. You know, if something comes up and it's an emergency, you know, that's one thing. But it stopped all the spontaneous purchases. It stopped all the spontaneous, hey, we need to paint this room this weekend. And then yeah. get <laughs> spring it on them. You yeah, know, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, when to do it or how to do it, I knew what had to be done. And the very first one, guys, Yeah. I, I waited until day 89. Yes, he did. I put on my... <laughs> it's a man day thing. Day 89, yeah. and I <laughs> knocked it all out on day 90 when we were at the uh, our retreat. I said to her, I said, did you see? I got them all done. <laughs> I did it. Did you see that? I did it. <laughs> Why did you wait until day 89? I said, well, I got a strong-willed woman, and I wanted to make sure you were going to keep your mouth shut, and you weren't going to tell me what to do, and you you lived up to the promise that you said, and that's why I waited. But what happened is... Very smooth, Clint. Very smooth. Yeah, Yeah, it was, because he was was on thin ice, man. Yeah. So then what happened was that when we planned out the next 90 days, uh, I got everything done in the first two weeks, and then I had the rest of the night. I got 85 days left or, you know, 80 days to do nothing. Yes. And and so, but that's what really happened. If you listen to most guys, they get the honeydew list, and it doesn't matter how fast or slow they get it done. It seems like they keep adding more onto the list so they never get a break. And that's why there's this division between – that couple. So, you know, the solution for us is that we, we talk about what needs to be done. We talk about, do we have the money to do it? And then when we both agree on it, we lay it before the Lord. And then it's my job to get it done if it's something that I'm supposed to do. And then she does her part on the things she needs to do. But basically... The other categories are health and fitness, you know, finances, um, our career, professional career. And the important one is, is a relationship. Because we approach relationships pretty differently, and I have a super huge, loud, very involved family, and Clint has a <laughs> tiny, little tiny German family, and um, and so the way we approach relationships and our relationships with our family were the, that was problematic. So we talk about it. We also talk about, hey, is there anybody I'm hanging out with that you're not comfortable yeah. with, or you know, that's I'm a good question, a, actually. Yeah, we we share you know passwords and. And we talk about that kind of stuff. Like when you said this to so-and-so, I was really kind of triggered some some fear for me, you know, or whatever that might Mm. be. We talk deeply. And the retreats aren't easy. I mean, some are easier than others because it's our time to kind of say, you know, I've been praying about this and thinking about it, but I just got to bring it to the table. I've got something on my mind, you know. And so we've learned how to do it. Um, like Clint said, we're going to be doing our 60th retreat, but I'm telling you, it has completely shifted our marriage. Yeah. It's, it's night and day from the first time around, and it's exciting. It's, it's yeah. really, matter of fact, our whole ministry, everything, the book publishing, all of that came out of the big dreams and possibilities category mm-hmm. years ago. Well, that's, years. that's great. In fact, that's a perfect segue because what I wanted to ask you guys was, all right, so God brings you back together. You start having all these amazing changes in your marriage, and you see God working in the marriage in these really specific ways. So how does that transition then into starting Inverse Ministries and writing the books? Well, at first, people just asked us to tell our story, you know, like, hey, in the church service this morning, we'll give you five minutes. Can you tell your story? We're like, okay, we'll give it a shot. You know, so that happened for the first year or two. They were just asking us, and then people start telling us stories about, you know, my friend's going through divorce, I don't know what to do, and we were looking for resources, and there wasn't anything out there to help, you know, do you think I could be remarried after my divorce, and so one thing led to another, and we met a a couple that was already in the Ministry of Reconciliation, Joel Michelle Williams, and they said, you know, they wanted to mentor us, and they were happy to have another couple that 
that would um, kind of serve with them or work together with them. And then just one thing after another, you know, I had to leave my job in education because I had a, a physical um, accident, illness, and that gave me some time to write. And then God just started from there. You know, we were still um, working full time. We had both uh, been teachers and I was an administrator uh, when Clint and I were remarried. And so we were both, you know, doing the full time thing and we never thought we could afford to launch out and that again the mini marriage retreat we kept talking about our finances god if you want us to serve you full time where's the income going to come from you know because (laughs) it's yeah so when he told us to to become missionaries that that was quite quite a surprise but uh he did it and but here's the big thing when when uh you know sharing the stories is one thing when penny started writing this stuff we had boxes and boxes of books and nobody wanted any of that stuff. And so the past, in the in the previous marriage, Penny and I would have run ahead of God and tried to force that stuff. This time we told God we weren't we weren't launching unless He gave us the the green light. And we said so we're going to be still. And we were still for almost two years. It, I mean, it was four years from the time we remarried, but two years after we had gotten our resources together. And then He. Um, connected us with Joe and Michelle Williams, which got us with uh, AMFM uh, Ministries, which allowed us to teach in a couple of places. And the next thing you know, there was pastors uh, from around the country that invited us to come speak. And that's when we started our 40-day mission trips. And um, we've done, I think, what, 15 of those trips uh, since we launched in 2006. And then after the first one, uh, God said, if you want to do this, I mean, you're going to have to relocate to Florida. And uh, we stepped out of the boat and went, and we were able to sell our house in California about three months before the crash. And it allowed us to buy a home in, in Florida, and we were debt-free. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so, Clinton Penny, kind of as we're um, – drawing this to a close, this is kind of a, a broad question, but, um, you know, we never know, um, who in our audience may be listening. Um, we never know what difficulties people may be going through or what straits they may be in. And, um, anyone that is married, uh, is, is liable to have marriage problems in a relationship of, of two imperfect people that see the world very differently. There's, there's always the potential for marriage difficulties. Um, so and maybe people are, are divorced, uh, or just in a rough time in their marriage, or maybe even not having difficulties in their marriage. But what would you say is one point of wisdom that you could share with our listeners that would apply to their situation wherever they find themselves and would help them to better their marriage? Well, I think no matter where you're at, one thing that would apply is to uh, have a prayer partner in your life. I had a a woman who kind of took me under her wing uh, when I was divorced, Hmm. and we just became friends. We met at a workplace. Turned out she was a pastor's wife, which kind of scared the daylights out of me because I wasn't, I was just kind of turning back to the Lord. But we ended up taking walks together around the school, and we'd pray together, and and journal right back and forth. And then I started opening up the word with her and she kind of, um, you know, talked to me about her family and I would talk to her about mine and this prayer partner thing. I mean, I never had a a relationship like that with anyone and it was so neat to, to get a bird's eye view into their family. Now, never in a million years am I thinking I'm going to be remarried to Clint. It was just (laughs) spiritual direction Um. of her you know, mentoring me. And, and then finally, at one point, you know, down the road, I said, I got to tell you about my past, you know, and I told her and she kept saying, you know, what would the word of God say about that? So we dig in the word deeper. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you have a great marriage, a prayer partner, you know, a person in your life like that uh, will keep you on the straight and narrow. If you're at a point of desperation, you know, you have somebody that's, uh, you know, cheering you on, I think. Uh, that's it's a requirement. Clint and I have to have prayer partners in our lives uh, now. We always have, and we always will. No matter you know, in our marriage, we're in ministry. We're not having problems, but I think our prayer partners keep us 
And your prayer partners are, are, are there. It's a bi-directional relationship to where you're there for them uh, as well as they're there for you. And, you know, when you're both uh, lifting each other up to the Lord, you know, the Lord uh, is pleased with that. But I'll tell you what's really important. We all go through seasons in our, in our lives. And um, one, one season we had about five years ago, my wife lost her brother. Um, and her, it was her youngest brother. And it, it devastated the whole family. And the, I really tried to comfort Penny during that period of time. And I'm telling you what, no matter what I did, I, I didn't do it right. Penny was really grieving. And I had a really tough time because I do grieve completely different the way that, that Penny did. And what happened is I would have to go to my prayer partner and say, hey, man, I'm really struggling here. I'm really trying to help Penny out. But the more I try, the worse I, I make it. I says, you got to help me here and help me to figure out what's going on and what to do. And my prayer partner just told me to chill and just be available when, whenever Penny needs, mm. needs something. Be there for her, but don't tell her what to do or how to do it and so let me tell you, my prayer partner gave me some sound advice. And, and I actually, um, it was about three years uh, that uh, this journey with Penny through her grief. I mean, she went through counseling. She went through grief share. She went through traumatic loss. She went uh, and saw an individual counsel during that three years. And the thing is, is that she, I could see that she was getting better and better, but it didn't mean that the grief went away. But the bottom line was my prayer partner walked with me and kept me, you know, level and calm and not anxious or worried. And it, it, it meant a whole lot to me during that period of time. And now here it is five years on the other side of this grief. And, and, and Penny still has bursts of grief from thinking about her brother, but it's not like it was five years ago. So, um, you know, it's, I, I try to be tender towards Penny, and sometimes when I, I get impatient, stuff, instead of taking it out on Penny, I go to my prayer partner and say, okay, this is what's going on. Help me out. And, and, and I usually get some really good sound advice from my, my, my prayer partner. And let me tell you, my prayer partner is in the Word. He's talking to God. He's walking the walk and talking the talk, and, and that's really important. You, you just don't get a warm body to be a prayer partner. Yeah, yeah. You need someone that's genuine and that can share true wisdom and insight with you. Yeah. 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 Well, Clinton Penny, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys and hearing about your story, um, about the book, about your ministry. Um, tell our listeners where they can connect with you guys online and where they can get your book when it comes out. Absolutely. Uh, the book's available at all online booksellers. It's available cheap for pre-order right now, I think, on CBD and Amazon. And we can be reached at inverseministries.org. All right. Excellent. Thank you guys Great. so much for talking with us. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Men With Hats podcast. If you are a regular listener or a new listener, or if this is the first episode you've ever heard, wherever you may be in your Men With Hats listening journey, we would appreciate it so much if you have enjoyed our content up to this point to go to iTunes and drop us a review, five-star review, leave us a couple of words and let us know what you think of the podcast. Guys, by going and leaving us a review on iTunes, it really helps us to be able to reach more people with this content and to be able to serve uh, more people with the things that we're saying, with the ideas that we're trying to espouse and, and spread. So if you have found the Men With Hats podcast helpful to you personally, uh, go to iTunes and leave us a review. Appreciate it so much. Thanks, guys.